I'm Lisa Adkin, Inclusion Manager here at Talk Talk. And as part of our Black History Month celebrations, we wanted to explore mixed race identity. So we're chatting to a couple of our colleagues from our Empower Network, Charmaine Connors and Afra Brooks Barnes. Before we sort of kick off with the questions, Afra and Charmaine, is it worth you um, introducing yourselves, just telling a bit about sort of where you are in the business and um, a bit about your background? Charmaine, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Charmaine. I work in OSS. I'm an apprentice and .NET developer, and I've been in the business for around 18 months now. I'm also um, the Empower Network Chair, so I recently um, took up that position after we lost our previous chair, Anna, and I've been doing uh, that role for around maybe a couple of months now. I'm looking forward to speaking about the topic today. Over to you, Afra. Brilliant. So yeah, I'm Afra, People Director for Wholesale Services, and similar to Charmaine, I've been in the company now for 18 months, and just, yeah, really looking forward to getting stuck in today. So I think let's dive straight into the discussion, straight into the questions. Amazing. Thank you both. Um, so it'd be good initially to really take it right back and hear about a bit of your background, family, where you grew up, sort of school experience. Um, Charmaine, if you want to sort of kick us off and talk through that side of things for us. Okay, so take it right back then. Um, so I was um, born in 83. I'm 38 to a white Irish descent mother and a black Jamaican descent father, both born in Manchester. My mix is black and white, uh, mixed Caribbean. Um, my parents were both, as I said, um, born in Manchester, but they had uh, quite a turbulent relationship. I think when I was born, racial tensions were quite high. My grandparents actually came from Ireland. Uh, my mum's dad came from Ireland to Perary in the 50s, and my dad's parents came from Kingston, Jamaica in the 50s as well. So they were part of the Windrush generation. So they came over to settle and, and for work, etc. But when I was growing up, I wasn't connected to my father's side because my mum's side of the family didn't really accept interracial relationships. So that did cause problems. And um, I grew up until I was 32, not really knowing my dad. So I wasn't really connected to that side of my culture. I was raised by my stepfather because my mum remarried. So I guess environment-wise, growing up, I was um, living in a predominantly white neighbourhood. And so I went to a predominantly white school and I had, you know, a, a lot of white friends. I can't really remember having any mixed or black friends or any friends, I guess, from the BAME community when, when I was younger. So, yeah, really, really used to um, being around the white culture and being really connected to it. And I wasn't really, well, I didn't feel different until I was made to feel different, I guess. And I remember that was around the age of maybe eight or nine. And I started to receive comments and, you know, was uh, was made aware that I had different features. I had different hair. I had a different skin tone. And um, I think that's when I had started to feel a, a little bit of a conflict, I guess, inside. So I, I went through a hard time when I was younger. I kind of went through some racial bullying and stuff like that, which was really, really bad. And because of that, we had to move and we moved to a more multicultural area. And I ended up going to a school which was much more mixed, a lot more people who looked like me. And um, yeah, I think that's when I started to really feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin. 
kind of started to be proud, you know, feel proud of being mixed and having that dual heritage and, you know, my features and everything like that. But there was still this kind of disconnection with my Caribbean heritage, you know, that was that was quite a challenge. But I'll hand over to Afra because I know that you've got a lot to add to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could talk, I could talk about this all day and um, probably not going to do it justice in the time but there's loads of similarities I'm from Halifax Yorkshire through and through I grew up with three brothers to my mom and dad so similar to you Sh- uh, Charmaine my mom is white British and my dad is black Jamaican he came to the UK in I think it was the 1960s again as part of the Windrush generation so my uh, nan, she she worked for the NHS. So she got asked to come over to the UK to, to work and support the NHS. And she did that when my dad was 18 months old and left him in Jamaica. So he grew up with his grandma in Jamaica, thinking that that was his actual mother until my gran had saved up enough money to uh, bring him and his brothers um, over to the UK when he was six years old. I think this was a really difficult time for him. So on reflection, I look back, I think he kind of blocked that part of his life out because he loved his life in Jamaica and he came over to the UK and there's quite a lot of racism at that time and throughout his schooling. I don't know why my my nan and granddad decided to choose Halifax to live because if you think about where Halifax is you've got Leeds that's quite close and you've got Huddersfield and they've got quite big Caribbean communities in both of those towns but they chose Halifax um, and pretty much were the only black Jamaican family And that meant when I went to school, I was one of two mixed race people. And she also happened to be somebody who was five foot nine, you know, long curly hair, mixed race. I don't think we looked anything alike except for the curly hair and being the same height. But consistently for five years, I was called Sherelle and she was called Afra. And then you go, oh, sorry. The teacher would say, oh, sorry, it's the other one. So it's those type of experiences that you're that you're going through throughout school and just sort of having to take it on the chin. But every time it happens, it's just, oh, my God, again, come on. My mum and dad have always celebrated the Jamaican heritage that we have. So it was the carnival every year in Leeds. My mum learned how to cook Jamaican food actually better than my dad. She spent a lot of time learning how to, to look after curly hair, how to braid it. That was really important for her that we, you know, that we knew about our heritage. Even though there was all of that, you know, effort put in by my family, I was in a very predominantly white area and the rest of my family didn't live in Halifax. The rest of the uh, Jamaican family didn't live in Halifax. So I have been brought up similar to you, Charmaine, through schooling, being closer to family and, and just the town that I live in and not having any other friends that were mixed race or from the BAME community until probably I went to uni um, and went and moved to a city. Um, And the other thing I'd like to mention, similar to you, so when mom and dad met, it was, I think, the late 70s. uh, My grandparents didn't actually approve of the relationship. And one of the things which, to me, really shocking to hear now, but my grandma actually said to my mother when she was pregnant, you know, oh, my goodness, what are the kids going to look like? My grandma was very worried. And even more so when they said that they were going to call me Afra. It was, oh, my God, she's going to be bullied. And then the other thing is, I, to mention, I've never actually experienced, you know, in your face racism where people, you know, people have said anything. But it is the subtleties uh, that go along with it. You are. And I think I'm going into the next question, actually, now, Lisa. Like, you know, how do you identify? I 
don't identify as white because I feel, and these are my personal opinions, and this is not everybody who's mixed race, I don't feel like I would ever be accepted because of how I look to stand up and say I'm white. But I would be to stand up and say I'm black. But actually, I'm not either. I am mixed race. I'm dual heritage. You know, the terms change every couple of years. But I do have more of affinity to the black community, yet I was brought up in a white culture. And all of that put together, it blows your mind. You feel like you're not doing either of your heritages justice. And that's where you get heritage piled on top of culture, piled on top of, you know, how you look aesthetically. And it can be really challenging growing up thinking, you know, where do I fit? But I, I've got to a place where I'm, you know, really comfortable with who I am and proud of both heritages. Um, Charmaine, I don't know if your experience, you know, tell us a bit about yours as well. Yeah, I think the same pretty much Afra that I am very conscious of, you know, the, the way that the white race is set up, it does exclude anybody who's non-white. So we're almost branded in a sense already and it's out of our control. So I agree. I, I don't feel like I could say that I'm a white person, even though I'm as much white as I am black. I can only identify really as being mixed or being black. And I've always identified as being mixed. And just going back to what Afra said about like the comments and stuff in school, there was a lot of conflict in my family because my family, my, fam my family was quite big on my mum's side, so I have like a lot of aunties and a lot of cousins and a couple of my aunties did have also interracial relationships, but my family is predominantly white, but there will be, there is pockets of mixed. So I remember growing up in my family and hearing, you know, black people being degraded and dehumanised. Um, I remember one time that I overheard uh, one of the adults talking about black people and referring to them as cockroaches. There was a lot of things that I heard growing up that really messed with the way I, I guess, my self-image, the way I thought about myself. So that was kind of from one side. And then I would experience a, a kind of rejection. And I just want to point out that it's not all, my experience wasn't from everybody. This is from just certain people, but there was um, this kind of rejection on both sides. and. From the black community, it was, but you're not full black, so you're not black, you know, you're mixed. So it was a bit difficult feeling that I wasn't part of either and I couldn't really identify as either. Um, so as I said, I've always identified as being mixed. And I think as the years have gone on and I've built that relationship with my dad, um, me and my dad have actually got a really good relationship now. And that's helped me out massively as well to connect with that side of myself and to get to know him and to get to know where I'm from. So I do feel different now, but I, I have been through, I guess, an identity crisis at points of my life, for sure. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I'm sure you can't help but kind of internalise some of that stuff that, that you hear, especially at those sort of childhood and going into teenage years, you know, and that's inevitably going to echo into, you know, adult life. It'll be interesting to hear about any sort of challenges you faced in adulthood, whether that's, you know, in day-to-day -day life or challenges through work, you know, connected to identity? I think that I've always been um, really, really driven. And um, I wouldn't say that I'm, I've ever thought of my skin colour as being a limitation for me. I've, ne I've never really let myself sit in that mindset. So I was always really driven, but I think the challenges with being around, let's 
take work, for example. So in the workplace, you have a mix of people and a lot of them people who are mixed and who are non-white and who are actually connected to their, their culture. They like to talk about their culture. They like to celebrate their culture. And I always kind of was reminded of that disconnection when those um, situations would arise. And it would just it would just really kind of, you know, make me feel away inside that, you know, I don't feel like I've got that. I don't feel like I'm connected to that part of myself. So I can't, it's like it's kind of a sense of pride that you're lacking, I guess, is the best way that I can describe it. But I think in my personal life, you know, comments that I heard growing up did manifest itself in, I guess, me having a low self-esteem, um, maybe a negative self-image in certain times, you know, in my life, particularly in my late teenagers and um, early 20s. I remember I heard the phrase quite a lot that I was dark for mixed race. So I, I kind of had times where I would avoid going out in the sun and stuff like that because I felt like, you know, it's bad in some kind of way to be so dark for being a mixed race woman. And yeah, it just manifests itself in, you know, in, in different ways, in, in many ways, to be honest. And it's, it's things that I've had to work through, I guess, confidence wise, self-love intersected with coming out as gay and yeah, a whole journey, I guess, of just accepting myself and, and loving myself. And I think now I'm probably more self-love abundant than I've ever been. She's good. Amazing. You know, so you should be definitely. Afro, it'd be good to hear your experience. Yeah. So in the workplace, so similar to you, Charmaine, um, I, you know, really, really driven. I also am part of another minority. I um, have dyslexia, which is classed as a, a learning a difficulty, disability, sorry. And um, for me, it's always been you don't want to be part of a um, a target, a number to fill, you know, to fill a seat. You, you're female with a disability who's also uh, mixed race. And that's not why you want to be here. So it has impact, you know, it does impact you in the workplace. But what I found at Talk Talk has been fantastic. So I sit on um, Nick Gunga's leadership team. And during lockdown, we used to do a quiz every Friday at the end of the week, and it'd, it'd all be around our different cultures. So Nick, he's half Mauritian. Me, we've been half Jamaican. We did a quiz teaching the leadership team how to speak Patois, which I do terribly, by the way, not very well at all. But people are just open to, to learn and hear more. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you get it wrong and you say the wrong thing. I just want people to understand and, you know, about different cultures and living and breathing it. But... On reflection, I also think I could do better. So this morning I was driving into work, listening to Kano. You know, I love Dave. I've got tickets for Dave and Getz and Stormzy. I'm massive into my UK rap, but my peers probably wouldn't have a clue. And I kind of drive into work, listening to my rap, loving it, sort of close the car door and I put on work Afra and get in the door and I'm a completely different corporate person. And I think actually we should do more to to wear our hearts on our sleeves and, and celebrate our heritage and our cultures. So I think even just having this session and talking to people, that's, that's one thing I'll take away to be a bit more authentic uh, with who I am in the office. <laughs>